Hello and welcome to Sneaker Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest sneaker news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. It's Constantine here. And this is Becky. And we thought it's going to be a rest week. <laughs> We've got the announcements, right? So mm -hmm. we thought, okay, we're going to chill, we're going to cover the 135, yep. and we're going to relax. But apparently, there's some news happening. I mean, they're not like big news, but at the same time, they kind of like, you don't want to skip them. You want to talk about them. You do not want to miss out on these. So first up, perhaps not the biggest news. We've got the Z5 firmware update. This is version 1.41. It looks like they've just fixed an issue where in rare circumstances, the camera would fail to turn on if it hadn't been used for an extended period of time. That's an interesting one because usually with electronic equipment, at some point, if you don't turn it on for a long time, it does need some help to get started. Yeah, I had a PSP, which I didn't use for five years. Right. And I then tried to charge it and, and it just didn't charge. It couldn't power up. So I had to give it some CPR and then it was fine. And then it was okay. So yeah, do you know how do you do CPR to PSP? I don't. What do you do? Well, I can show you an imaginary PSP. PSP. Breathe on it. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> you smack it on the table, basically. Yeah, okay. um, but yeah, it's it's apparently very common to electronics. I mean, back in the day, I think it's probably less now. Yes. The batteries have improved quite a bit. They don't just die because you don't use them. So they tend to last longer. Back in the day, you know, you would buy your iPhone, like first iPhone, whatever it was, and two, three years later, it won't hold their charge. And yeah. now iPhones can hold their charge a bit longer, mm -hmm. as well as probably Android phones. But who mm -hmm. uses those anyway? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad that Nika looked into that. I think it was fun bug to figure this out, you know, but... Uh here you have it. I mean, yeah. definitely update your firmware. Exactly. There must have been a reason for it to have a firmware update dedicated to it. Yeah, you know what's rumored actually mm. is apparently there's a rumor that we're going to see a Z9 update soon. So who knows? Maybe this week, maybe next week. But if they're going to release something, what do you think is going to be? Do you think it's going to just have all those ZF functionality that's been introduced with the new camera? They usually wait a bit before they do that. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe some bug fixes, something like that. Well, that would be good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's one of the rumors. The second rumor that's literally showed up on Nikon Rumors about half an hour ago, and it is called Nikon Z600 F6.3 PF is rumored to be announced soon. Those rumors are coming from China. And while they're not concrete, there are quite a few reports apart. That's interesting. They have given some very vague specs. They've said it's a 606.3 PF. They've said they expect it to be the same size and weight as the existing 505.6 PF, which is an F-mount lens. They are not sure on the aperture. They said the lens is expected to be priced around $4,000 and the weight should be approximately three pounds, which is... 1,390 grams for us in the metric system. Apparently, the official announcement is rumored for about the 10th of October, maybe a development announcement, and that the lens is supposedly being tested at the moment. Now, they have said that Nikon rumors that they don't have any reliable information, and they're all secondhand rumors coming from China. All right, but 10th of October is next week. Yeah, it's pretty soon. Yeah, so we just had ZF announcement. We just had 135 announcement, the mm -hmm. planner. And then two weeks later, we'll have a wildlife lens. I mean, that's interesting. It's not on the roadmap as well. Yeah, this is a bit of an odd one. Although I do vaguely remember going back to... Probably about a year and a half ago, Nikon had this lineup of lenses with all the silhouettes 
Do you remember mm -hmm. of all the missing lenses? Yes. And they did have a short telephoto in there that wasn't the 400 4.5. Okay, and it wasn't 800. And it wasn't the 800. There was another one. And, and we it were wasn't like, 180 to 600. Well, maybe it was. Maybe it was the 180 to 600. Mm. But I'm just trying to see where this has come from because this is a little bit of a out of the left field otherwise. But the glove doesn't fit. But the glove doesn't fit. But actually, if you look at it, so it seems like it's going to be a lightweight 600, right? So we have 604 at the moment, which is big, heavy, but lighter than the F-mount version, but incredibly expensive, right? Just a little. But we also have lightweighted version of 400 mil and 800 mil. So I wonder if it's basically the lightweight lens that is not going to be as expensive. We won't call it budget, but compared to the price of the F4 lens, it's probably going to be significantly cheaper. I mean, Nikon Rumors thinks $4,000. I don't know if that's going to be a correct figure, but we will see. That would pitch it about halfway between the 400 and the 800. So I guess... That could work, potentially. So, yeah, it seems to me that if you look at the pricing, then uh, the 404.5 in UK is under £3,000 and uh, 800 is £6,000. So I would say anything between four and five makes sense. I My bet would be on four and a half, mm -hmm. just because it sits right in the middle between the two prices. I think £4,000 is just too close to 400 I think Nikon will, you know, charge a little bit extra there. But who knows? I mean, it makes sense. It's not on the roadmap, so it's very difficult to say if it's actually going to be announced. But the good news is that the wait is fairly short. It's, only, it's basically next week. Exactly. Now let's talk about the brand new 135 Plenar that was announced last week. First of all, you can absolutely pre-order it from us over here at Gray's. In fact, if you'd like to support the channel, supporting the shop is the best way to do that. So if you have already placed your pre-order or if you're thinking about placing your pre-order and you're going to do it at Grey's, thank you very much. Now, we do have some first looks of this lens. Uh, the first one up is by Matt Irwin. He says, stunning 135 1.8 planner is here. Wow. First look images and video. So definitely check that out. We also have Mark Granger who says 135 Nico Planner, the world's best portrait lens. So two Australians, two Mats, they've got their lenses in their hands. They've done some previews, but we also have Seth Rama having an interview with Mark Cruz from Nikon and discussing this lens. Very good live stream. Definitely have a look at that. Very good conversation. You know what? We also had a quick hands-on with a Nikon man himself, Richie, the king, and he gave us two samples to try out. First one was 135, and also we tried the Nikon ZF camera. We did. Finally put our hands on that one. So if you'd like to catch up with our live stream and see all the questions that we answered there and that Rishi was kind enough to answer for us, then check out our Friday live stream from last week. Yeah, now also Nikon Europe released three-part video of conversation of Nikon themselves with Nikon UX planning and engineering division. So people who designed the lens, talk about the lens, the vision towards this lens, how it came to be, definitely have a look at that. And if you missing some comparisons with some oldies like 135 F2D lens, which is an interesting blog article from back in the day, it's called 1000 Nights, number 32, which talks about the design of the original F-mount 135 F2D lens, as well as the concept of defocus control, how it came to be, what happened when they designed this lens. And I assume with the release of new lens, you will know why it disappeared. 
Off the back of Friday's live stream, a lot of people did ask if the Nikon roadmap would be updated now that there was a new lens out, and it looks like they have delivered. So we can see that the only lens left on the roadmap with a big fat question mark next to it is going to be the 35. Yeah, so 35 is rumored to be announced before the end of the year. The question is, is it before the end of the actual year? or before the end of the fiscal year. Mm -hmm. If it's before the end of 2023, then we still have a couple of months for announcements. Now, if it's end of fiscal year, which is 31st of March, then it's going to be another five months of wait. So you never know. But let's have a look at this roadmap. Let's discuss what other lenses they can potentially release. We just discussed the room at 600 mil, but what else? can we think of? Yeah, I mean, looking at the fact that Nikon have been releasing sort of six plus lenses a year, the following calendar year, let's say, rather than fiscal year, could be quite exciting. And there are lots and lots of talks about what every different niche photographer wants. We had some talk last week about perspective controls, the 200mm macro, a 200f2 replacement. I mean, we've had a couple of more curveball lenses thrown in there. Rishi, myself, and Seth all want a short, stubby, wide-angle prime. We're talking like a 14mm that doesn't take up, you know, half your camera bag or even wider, possibly. Yeah, I think you, Rishi, and Seth are just programming our YouTube viewers You want it short too. and stubby. Exactly. You know you want it too. It's automatic pre-order straight away. That's right. But just look at the amount of lenses we already have. Yeah. I mean, remember the time when we were saying, oh my God, we have gap in here, gap in here, what's going on? We still can't wait for another three years to complete the system. We now have pretty much everything. Even if, let's say, the 600 mm -hmm. comes out, then we have, obviously, long telephoto expensive lenses, mm -hmm. then long telephoto budget light versions. Mm -hmm. We have the same with 2.8 zooms, yeah. 14, 24, 24, 70, 7200, and also 17, 28, 20, 75, and 70, 180 lenses. Very true. We have our set of 1.2 lenses with hopefully 35 will come in later on. We now have planner as well as knock lenses, which is incredible. So what I'm thinking is a couple of gaps that I'm looking at. I think we need more DX lenses and sure. potentially small primes as well. DX and full frame. Yes, I think that if you actually look at that roadmap, you can clearly see that there's a lens missing that cover everything range of 18 to 300. And I think that that would be an important addition to the DX lineup, as well as, as you say, some DX primes. Yeah, so we at the moment we have 24mm 1.7, which is equivalent of 35mm on full frame. I think we need to have a 35DX, which will be equivalent of 50. Yep. And maybe a wide-angle prime as well for DX mount, who knows? So that would be quite useful as well. But with the release of ZF, I think we definitely would like to see some small lenses, maybe with aperture ring, mm -hmm. maybe with 1.4 apertures, who knows, but something small and portable. And mm -hmm. what's interesting about this, actually, we found some registered patents for 35mm f1.4 and 50mm 1.4, which were published by Asobinet last week. So those patents been published, they've been registered. Obviously, in those cases, it may not come into fruition, mm -hmm. but who knows, maybe you'll start to see something like this. That'd be so, exciting. So, you know, there's quite a few lenses we can add, but I think, yeah, if you cover the DXs, first of all, with zooms, I think, you know, if we potentially release a high-performance DX camera and update the DX cameras as well, so something like Z50 Mark II, then we definitely want to see a little bit more lenses that, who knows, maybe something like 16 to 80 of 2.8 lens. You know. Sure. 
What do you think? Um, I think that when I look at the roadmap, at the moment I see that there's clearly a big gap between 135 and 400 mm -hmm. on the prime range. I think that a 200, 300 is missing. Mm -hmm. Whether or not Nikon will produce one in the sort of PF range or mm -hmm. whether they'll go pro, semi-pro, not sure at this stage. But you can see that there's a gap there. I do think that also wide-end prime full frame we're missing. Now, in the micro lenses band, obviously we've got our two macro lenses, we've got our 50 and our 105. Mm. I think that they would be better off rebranding that as special purpose lenses in that section and then fill out the wide end with the perspective control and then a longer end with a long macro so that you know there's space there's space for everything yeah that could be good i mean yeah the, the tilt and shift lenses i mean if you look at jfx system they just released their first tilt and shift lens yep. which took them a while mm -hmm. since the release of jfx system for sure but i'm just looking at the amount of lenses it's incredible and you know what all of them are pretty much as good or better, but most of them are better than F-mount equivalents. I think the only lens that I personally think is not particularly great, it's kit 24 to 50 millimeter lens, which is small, light, inexpensive. Again, I think it's optically not as great, but again, there's a trail option also for Nikon ZF. Yeah. It could be a viable option, but the rest of the lenses are incredibly superb, and that's to do with A, optical design, and B, the Z-mount itself. Yeah, you know what's odd is I had exactly the same thought when you said the only lens I think is perhaps not great. And my first thought was 2450. And it's not because it's a bad lens at all. It's just it's not sort of leagues above what we are used yeah. to seeing. And we've become a little bit spoiled, I think, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like even the 17, 28, 28, 75, 70, 180, those combinations, those lenses are super sharp. 24200 is a brilliant all-rounder and Fantastic. it's not an S-line lens. So I'm very excited to see what they do next year. Um, I hope that we'll see the 35, presumably 1.2 because it's in Soon. that range. Mm -hmm. Soon, like before Christmas, that would be really, really nice. And then that means that the whole of the next 12 months following Christmas, we've got well, just infinite possibilities. Absolutely. I mean, just to complete the list, obviously, I think we also need 28 1.4, maybe 105 1.4 or 1.2, mm. you know, to the list. And again, it's one of the things that I guess because the F-mount E versions are, are so amazing, as well as 120 300, mm -hmm. then Nikon is not in a rush to replace those because they can still compete with F-mount lenses. And if you haven't tried those, definitely do try them. Yeah. But overall... Overall, I think it's fantastic. One thing that Richie kind of mentioned in the live stream, and we kind of need to read through the lines because he said, does it make sense for Nikon to update the roadmap anymore? Because roadmap is normally a thing when you're launching a new system is to give assurance to the customer, to the photographer, saying that we will invest in the system. So we will release the lenses. And obviously that system is now, it's not a new kid on the block. It's quite matured, I would say. So mm -hmm. what do you think? I want to ask our viewers, do you think Nikon should update the roadmap and keep telling us what's going to be released this year or shall we just leave it as it is? So let us know in the comments below. Good. Next up, Nikon Instruments Inc. have revealed the winners of the popular annual Nikon Small World in Motion competition. So this is a 
video showcase competition as opposed to imagery. And this is for the best of the best in microscope videography, shedding light on the unseen world. Now, Dr. Alessandra de Moulin has won first prize for his 48-hour time-lapse video of developing neurons in a chick embryo. The neurons are connecting to the opposite side of the embryo's central nervous system. And like they are in humans, the neurons are responsible for transmitting information throughout the body. Alongside de Moulin's prize-winning entry, the competition also named second, third, fourth, and fifth place finishes alongside a large selection of honorable mentions. So if you would like to have a look at the winning entries and check out some pretty astonishing microscope videography, then hit the link in the description box and the podcast notes. So not just the flower shots? No. Microscope photography. How interesting. I definitely want to check this out. <laughs> now, on to Nikon Corporation News. Nikon released an integrated report. It's all about management and structure and vision to 2030. So, we're not going to discuss this. Have a look at this. If you find an issue, definitely there's a link for you there. Knock yourself out. Good luck to you, intrepid adventurer. Now, for some third party news. Small Rig have announced. USB-C fast charging batteries for Nikon cameras. So we've got an ENL 15 something equivalent. Yeah, what's interesting about them, first of all, they're high capacity, they're 2400 mAh, mm. which is larger than the ENL 15C version. But what's interesting for me personally is to see that actually the battery itself has a USB port. Yes. So you don't need a charge anymore. You just plug your USB cable straight into the battery and it's got a little light in there. So it goes green when it's charged and then it goes red when it's charging. So so you can pretty much charge it from your power bank, for, you know, from your car, whatever, any power source you may have. And it's priced at $45. Now, they also released NL25 battery, which is for DX mirrorless cameras as well. And it also have a USB socket. Interesting development. Again, sometimes we see a shortage of Nikon batteries. So if you need a battery right now and you can't get the original Nikon one, then have a look at Smallrig. I mean, I would be interested to try it. The fact that they have said that it's reliable and stable, etc., and that it's quality battery. I've always been on the fence about third-party batteries. Yep. And we've seen some real horror stories over the years. We've had yep. people come in with third-party batteries that have exploded in their cameras, essentially. We've had them posted to us, and they've leaked everywhere. I mean, it's been pretty disastrous. Yeah. I mean, the good news, those stories are from quite a few years ago. Yeah, we're talking Enel, mainly Enel 3 era. Yeah. Well, even 15, the original 15, we've seen quite a few. And they have yeah. two versions of 15, the Line 20, Line 1, which was the original one. And That's that caused the problem. Remember when G500 came out, they had to release Line 20 batteries because Line 1 didn't work. That's right. Um, I mean, personally, I prefer to buy genuine batteries. So, Me too. But, like, Small Rig has been known for its quality. So I think... I probably would still buy an Nikon battery, but what I like about this particular battery is the USB socket. So I think if Nikon can consider something like this, that would be very, very cool. Yeah, agreed. I mean, also the price is not so different, unfortunately, because £45 or £55, Yeah, you know, it's it is, there's not Absolutely it's much of a muchness at this stage. Exactly. Well, here you have it, folks. Now, on to some other interesting rumours. Apparently, Sigma will be announcing a DX ultra wide angle lens on October the 5th, so which is maybe the time you listen to this podcast. We don't know if it's going to be Nikon Z mount lens or some other mount, but how to fly AKA camera insider reported this rumor on his Twitter account or X account. And 
while he has a sporty track record on the rumors, his recent rumors were quite spot on. That's right. Now, Sigma have made the information publicly available that they are announcing something on the 5th of October. How to Fly is saying that it's an APS-C wide-angle lens, but let's see. Let's find out. Not long to wait. Speaking of other manufacturers for Nikon Z-Mount, we've got Tamron. Mm -hmm. They reported their earnings back at the end of August, but Q&A was published very recently. And the question was, how many lenses can you release a year? And they said, we can only release about five lenses a year based on our capacity of manufacturing. And... According to their Q&A, it looks like their main platform for lens development at the moment is Sony E-mount. And then once that is released, then these lenses have been converted to other mounts. Right. So if you see a lens for Nikon Z-mount, it will be a version of a lens for Sony E-mount. Interesting. So at the moment, we have obviously the Tamron 70-300 for Z, and we've got the 35-150 f2-2.8 for Z, which... Both are very good lenses. The latter, particularly stunning, although a very high price point for a non-Nikon lens. What might possibly come next if we look at what's available for Sony and then could be available for Nikon? Well, they've just released the 17250 F4 lens, which is full frame. Wow. For Sony mounts. It's coming out on October 19th. Okay. So... It's kind of designed for videographers. Mm. So, you know, so that can potentially go in there. I think 35 to 150 so far has received a wonderful feedback, but they also have a long telephoto lenses such as 50 to 400, a 4.5, 6.3 lens. So that can potentially be there. I mean, it seems that the wildlife photography segment is quite popular. So long telephoto lenses are popular among photography enthusiasts. So I guess the more lenses we can have that will compete with Nikon or Sigma releases, I think the merit because A, it will push the price down, B, everyone can choose the lens for their budget as well as their performance. Mm -hmm. And now for your review section. So first up, we have the MC105 2.8 VR macro lens by Admiring Light. Yeah, so they review the lens and they really, really like it. So what they say is the 105 2.8 is simply a joy to shoot with. It's a reasonably priced macro lens that gives a truly exceptional optical performance with amazing sharpness, a gorgeous rendering, and almost no chromatic aberration or other optical flaws, save for a bit of flair in the right circumstances. Then add in a relatively lightweight and solidly constructed body, very good optical stabilization, and reasonably quick autofocus, and you've got the finest macro lens I've ever had the pleasure to use. Bravo, Nikon. I mean, the only cons they cite is uh, slightly above average flare performance and bokeh can be a bit contrasty and swirly at portrait distances. And that is an interesting point, actually, because a lot of you are saying that one of our macro is a great lens for portraiture. And if it works for you, I think it absolutely makes sense and you should be using it if you like the results of it. But if you're a portrait photographer, you may want to consider either 85 or 135 lenses to fit that niche just because they're designed for A for portrait for ground up. They're not designed for macro work. They're actually designed for the mid-range to longer focusing distance while the macro lenses are specifically designed to produce very sharp results at close-up distances. But at the same time, if it works for you, do what you like to do. You do you, boo. And now for your weekend read and watch segment. First of all, we have Nikko, the Thousand and One Nights number 87, Challenging Limits, new Nikko 200 F4. 
This is such a great lens. I have one. I have one. It's like every photographer should have this little pocketable 200mm f4 in their kit bag, particularly if you shoot manual focus. Absolutely. And it's surprisingly underrated lens because the prices on this lens are not very high. That's right. Now, they say in this tale, let's unravel the secrets of the new Nikkor 200mm f4. So definitely have a read of that if you're interested. And another interest for you is camera. That changed photography forever by Matt Williams at Petapixels. Yes, yeah, so here he says, I have compiled a list of some of the most important cameras ever made that forever altered the photographic landscape. I know the comments will be full of folks asking why so-and-so wasn't included or saying that they can't believe I didn't mention a camera they feel I should have. So I want to be clear, before cutting it down, my original list came, contained 69 cameras. Given that this article is over 6,000 words and only has 18 cameras listed, you can do the math and figure out why some had to be omitted. That said, I present some of the most influential preeminent history-altering cameras ever made. So yeah, definitely check it out. Nikon is there as well. And what other cameras? Well, you got to click on that to find out. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us this week. Yes, thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please give us a like and a subscribe if you're on YouTube, a follow, rating, review, etc. If you're listening on a podcast platform. Yeah, find us there. On all the places where you can get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. We're all there as well as all other great podcast platforms. Do leave us a review if you can, because it greatly helps the podcast to reach more people like yourself. That's right. And tell all your friends. Plus, we're also on Instagram. You can find me at Rebecca underscore Danese. You can find the shop at Nikon at Grays. And me at Konstantin Koshkin. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.